everyone. Welcome to Zon in Canada. I'm your host, Jesse Betteridge. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Crunchyroll's English-language dub of Gintama Season 3, uh, which they recently began streaming. Uh, the dub is notable, especially, um, you know, for, for Zon in Canada and what we focus on here, uh, because it was recorded and produced in Vancouver, which is something that we don't really see very often these days with, uh, with a lot of anime. Um, so for the first segment of this show... Uh, I am going to be talking with Michael Dangerfield, who is actually our first Vancouver-based voice actor guest on this show. Uh, he's the English-language voice of Gintoki in Gintama. Uh, he also played Sashomaru in Inuyasha, The Final Act. Uh, he's appeared on Smallville, as well as a number of movies. Uh, Michael, thank you very much for coming on, uh, for taking the time to come on the show today. My pleasure, Jesse. It's, uh, it's great to be here, and I'm glad to be the first uh, Vancouverite actor to be on your show. Yeah, well, I mean, you're the you're the face of on the mic voice acting here in Vancouver, so hmm. uh, it it made sense to reach out to you in a in a for a number of reasons. Um, so we'll we'll start a bit by talking about Gintama. So I understand these episodes were were dubbed a while ago. Uh, I know that there was that like this it was they were reported on the CRTC as uh, Canadian content, so people kind of knew there was something Canadian going on with with Gintama for a while, but you guys weren't able to really acknowledge it until uh, the episodes actually just came up uh, a few weeks ago, right? It was crazy, yeah. We didn't. We started recording Gintama in late August of 2015, um, and then we were doing pickups for quite some time, even as recent as a few months ago, I want to say. So they were really waiting to release it. They wanted to have a lot in the can before they released it. They wanted to polish it, make it sound great and look good and everything else. And because uh, I know this was Crunchyroll's first dive into uh, actually doing some dubbing uh, with their content. They hadn't really done that before. And they picked Ocean as the first place to do that. Yeah. And uh, I mean, Gintama is a very challenging show to, to begin that, to, <laughs> to start that with, too, yeah. <laughs> from what I from what I from what I gather, um, well, I'm assuming this was your first exposure to uh, to the franchise. It was actually, yeah. I, I hadn't. Uh, the only exposure I'd had was when I was a guest at, um, I guess it was Anime uh, Evolution, or was it Revolution? What one of those? It's the one. Ones. It's the one in uh, at UBC. What's that one? That's uh, that's uh, that would be Evolution. Yeah. So that, it was at Evolution. I think it was last year, and. Um, and the, one of the, the, one of the guest voice actors from, was from Japan, and he was the voice of Shinpachi for Gintama, uh, mm. that they had brought over. So I didn't know anything really about the show. I was just like, oh, and, you know, and people would say, oh my God, Gintama's huge in Japan. Oh my God, it's just crazy. These guys are like rock stars. And so this guy was brought over and I talked to him briefly. And I was like, oh, that's cool. And then, and then, as fate would have it, I was actually shaking the hand of my counterpart in the, you know, which w- would be the show that I would do, like, later on. You know what I mean? Like, it was just yeah. funny timing. It's it's funny looking back on that. What, what was your earliest impression of the show when you when you finally got uh, an idea of what it was? Earliest impression was I didn't quite – I was just like, wow, this show is so all over the map. Like, it's just it's – just, it's like sometimes there's, like – really broad and strange educational components. And then there's like really cool, like samurai fighting scenes and, and low key, like, you know, talks before the fights with really cool music. And then there's like super sexual stuff. And, and I'm just like, this, this show could not be more out there. It's just, so once I started to really get it, then I, I really started to finally, I don't know. I mean, it was definitely a number of episodes in before I really kind of, processed and got what they're doing with it it's it's kind of like 
you know, it's like a more out there version of kind of like Family Guy or something. Like, it's just, it's like that. Like, they're just, they're having a lot of fun and they're, but they do a lot of parody stuff. Like in the first episode that we did, uh, which is season three, which is episode one, uh, when he's doing the press conference, that's actually based off a real event of one of the, I think it's like a quote unquote senator from, from Japan who was in a lot of trouble who yeah. did this press conference and, and so there's a video you can play where they do them side by side animation in real life, live action. And it's like exactly the same. Yeah. And it was, that was a big deal when that, uh, when that first aired too, because satire is not something that you see done very often on, on Japanese TV. Yeah. And that episode, I think it was uh, the fourth episode of season th- four where you, you, you do that history lesson. That was kind of amazing to watch. Uh, it, it didn't seem like something that, like a dubbing studio should have even been able to work with at all. <laughs> and I mean, the end result, I can't, I can't honestly say that it sounded natural, but it still, it still worked. Yeah. You still, you still got through it. I mean, what was that like? Well, it's just, you know, I mean, you're just, cause you're there and you're trying to, I mean, you know, you do move at a certain pace, right. When you're doing this stuff. So you really are trying to get through it and, and, uh, get the takes done. And, and, uh, so yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're just trying to find your way and, and make it sound natural and, and, you know, it's the, it's early on, so you're still kind of getting your your feet and your head wrapped around the whole idea of what you're doing, which the character and I don't know, like you know what I mean. So it always takes a little bit with any series to to get your feel. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's as it went on, I was like, I really got to know the character quite well, and that's why I'm sort of a little kind of like curious if we're gonna do any more, you know, like because mm-hmm. now it's like we go back in, it'll be like putting on a glove, you know, it'll be no big deal. So I, I assume that you haven't dubbed any anything be, before the the third season at all. It's uh, no. it's only that third season, exactly, yeah. yeah. And so you've started like a, over 200 episodes into this show. Um, so how did you tune yourself into the character of Gintoki, especially when you were, were obviously missing a lot of context and you know there wasn't there was only so much you could do about well, that. Well, I watched I watched some of the original uh, sub stuff and got a feel for it certainly, and and I had to for the auditions and a friend of mine who kind of who would I uh, Caitlin Barristow would help me. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It helped me uh, with some of the um, auditions because she knew more about the show than I did, and she and you know we talked about it, went through some of the video and. And so I was able to, you know, watch it on Crunchyroll and, and the original and just kind of get a feel for it. And I mean, to me, it just seemed like the character was, uh, you know, he he's very sarcastic. And and yet, you know, because I mean, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? Like he he's super sarcastic and yet he can be very serious and and then he can be very angry and very funny. And like he really bounces around. So I think that's one of the reasons I got the roles, because I have a pretty good range of like you know, not only vocally, but I can, I can do comedy, I can do serious, I can do everything in between and dramatic and all, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's all underpinned by this kind of deadpan, uh, sort of approach yeah, to it yeah. as well a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, can, can you summarize what, like, just your average experience of recording an episode of Gintama is like? Well, uh, we'd go in and, uh, it was either Carl Willems or Jack Cox that directed and, uh, Oh yeah, that way actually that we don't know who direct uh, who 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 were the directors on this. So Jack, actually Jack Cox started off directing the episodes, and um, he probably did at least half of them. And then Carl Willems came on, and uh, I've I've known Carl for years and years and years. We did you know Inuyasha together and other series, some prelay like uh, Iron Man and stuff like that. So I've you know and he teaches it on the mic, so I I know him very well. 
So there's really a quite a relaxed nature to it. Like we're laughing and giggling half the time and telling stories and, you know, just loosening each other up and, you know, and then it's just, and then, you know, it, it's, it's standard dubbing, right? You're just, you, you get, you do one line at a time and you just make sure that the feel is there. Like, it's just, you know what I mean? Like you just kind of get each one and, and Jack was great too. Jack helped me get into it in the beginning with the first uh, number of episodes. And even that first episode, we, we did the, that press conference scene, which was, you know, I mean, it was it was a bit of a mouthful to get through. Right. Because he just goes on and on and on and on and on for, you know, forever. And and so, yeah. And it's it, it, I think it, I think it turned out actually pretty good considering it was like, you know, the first thing to get into. But uh, yeah, I mean, the episodes are fun because it's just we just sort of know that it's going to be so out there. And so let's just go for the ride and, and do a good job. You know what I mean? Like. Do you ever understand any of the references that come up as you're as you're kind of muscling through some these of them? Yeah, some of them, but yeah. definitely less than less than more. <laughs> yeah, for that, sure. Fair enough. Yeah. I'm sure even even people even people who are hardcore fans of this show, like they won't admit it, but like they probably don't understand all the jokes either. Yeah. It's a it's a pretty dense, uh, dense show. I think what I, what I did what I did get was the because we always listen to the original prior to doing the dub, and mm-hmm. I would always hear in in the actor's voice that did it. I can't remember his name, but I'd always get a feel, and so that's what I started getting was that was the the feel right, like just for what where where the line lived and where it was, and so that that became more important to me than sometimes knowing the reference or whatever else, right? Like just getting the feel right. Yeah. Um, you were, so you were absent for a number of episodes in the, uh, in the, in the early, in the early set of season three with the, with the gender swap storyline that happened. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it was three or four or something. I can't remember, yeah. but yeah, there was, I know that's, that's the thing. Like this show just goes in like so many directions. It's like Monty Python and right. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah, they added a reference to your name in the in the in like the on-screen text in there too, because uh, the original text referenced the uh, um, the Japanese voice actor, so they changed it to you. And I'm like, oh, that was it's good that they did that. Oh, I didn't know uh, they did that. They they, they did. What yeah. So that was in the the gender switch one. Yeah, I think like the preview for it or oh, something like hilarious. that. Yeah, they said like Michael's going to be away for a few episodes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, who was the? Do you know who the voice of the the female version of Gintoki was you know in those episodes? I, I asked and I don't think I ever found out. I'm I'm not sure. I uh, yeah. They haven't released. There's no credits attached to these episodes no. for the English voice acting. So it's just they 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 posted like a list of the core cast, and that's really all we know. Yeah. Um. So hopefully we get more information like when there's. Well, a, I'd like eventually. to know who the female me is. I mean, you know, that's that's yeah. important to know. I, I I think they're planning a DVD or Blu-ray release for it. So Are they? Oh, okay. They'll uh. We'll probably get full credits when when we see that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just talking about uh, your other work. Um, mm. h- how did you first get into acting, or and specifically working in anime? Well, <clears throat> I got into acting um, as a. Uh, I started doing uh, stand-up comedy uh, in university, and then I, you know, I I finished university, and I was like, geez, I had this degree in business and marketing, and it's like I don't think I really want to do that and sit in an office, and so I. I basically went to Toronto um, and crashed in my aunt and uncle's place and, you know, got a job and started auditioning. And and then my first job was the voice of Ace Ventura on the animated series, uh, impersonating Jim Carrey. And it was a big show and it was huge. I mean, for me to get that my first thing in and um, and then I kind of never really looked back. I just got it more into 
you know, commercials and narration. And of course, I got into on camera and, and uh, that started flowing as well. And and uh, anime didn't really come until I came to Vancouver, which was in 2000. And I finally got proper representation in like 2002. And Ralph over at Red Talent got me uh, started getting me over to Ocean. And, you know, before long, I was starting to do, you know, different types of shows. I didn't do anything that. Well, no, yes, I did. What am I talking about? It wasn't just at Ocean because. That's right. In like '02, I started doing Transformers, and uh, so I did three different Transformers series and and stuff like that. And then and I moved on to that's when I moved on to some of the ocean stuff, uh, doing like Gundam and and then Inuyasha came and you know what I mean, stuff like that. Yeah, and you were in Gundam Double O, yeah, I believe, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so pro- probably one of your bigger roles before this was uh, as Sashomaru in Inuyasha: The Last Act. Yes. Uh, of course, it was. Um, <clears throat> David Kay, who did uh, the voice before that, you can now, and he's now on the last week tonight with John Oliver. He's the, the narration voice on that exactly. show. Since he's, uh, yeah. Um, so when you were doing that role for that last set of, uh, for that last season of Inuyasha, um, like how did you approach Sashomaru? You, did you just opt to just imitate David Kay or find your own interpretation of the character well, or wanted, a mix of the I two? I wanted to stay true to what David did in, in, in terms mm-hmm. of that character. You know, like I wanted to try to see, I wanted to try to have the character live through because I'm, I'm a pretty good voice match. So I thought, well, I think I can kind of do it. So, and then, so I, I felt I was close enough to what he was doing. And then I did sort of develop my own kind of, you know, thing with it. But uh, people seem to be pretty happy. They were certainly concerned before I, they saw it because they were like, oh, no, what's what do you mean? So Shomaru's not David. Yeah. You know, there were there was, I was getting emails and, you know, people were putting comments on different YouTube videos I had. And they were like, they, snake eyes. I, 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 I hate you for you know taking over <laughs> Shomaru and all this stuff. <laughs> you know, so. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was cool. I definitely, I've been to some cons and people uh, have expressed that they're quite happy with it. And I, I thought it turned out pretty good. Yeah. From what I've seen it, uh, it, it, it all turned out pretty that well. That was also, so, yeah, yeah, that was also with Carl, uh, Carl Willem. So he was directing that as well. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about on the mic training. Uh, so can you kind of explain what it is and what inspires you to get that rolling here in Vancouver? Well, it all started like uh, 10 years ago and I just started teaching by myself because I was like, I was like, I think I can do this. I think I can teach a voiceover class and, you know, do a four week class one night a week for four weeks. And, um, you know, people can come in and, and learn the basics, do a sort of foundations course, commercials, animation and narration. And cause I have experience in all three of those avenues and, uh, you know, it, it started out very small and very basic. And then before long, I, you know, I was sort of doing one one class a month or one every other month for a few years. And then uh, I think it was in 2011. I, I just was like, wait a second, this is crazy. Why am I not having more instructors on my team of at on the mic, you know, that I branded as on the mic training? And so I got about five more instructors on board. And then we had a full kind of operation going over at this other studio. And it's called Studio X Labs at the time that we were operating out of it. And, and then we went to another studio called Cosmic, which is where I've done a pile of prelay shows like, you know, uh, you know, uh, Droid Tales, like Lego Star Wars Droid Tales. I've done uh, like Leapfrog, uh, you know, Barbie series, uh, Nerds and Monsters, um, you know, Nexo Knights, all these shows that I'm doing right now or that have done were there. Ninjago. And um, so... We went to that studio and it worked out quite well there. It was a beautiful studio and we were like, yeah, this is where we want to be. And we were, we were continuing to grow. And then 
my business partner, Noel Johansson, and I, who he came on as a full partner in the past year, realized that we need to have our own space. You know, that's just that's what we've got to. We've, we've grown so big that there's no sense in us renting studio space at someone else's place. Let's get our own spot. You know, so we have our own spot and have for about the last six or eight months. And it's really exciting because, you know, we're just continuing to grow and doing more things and getting into, you know, we're offering singing classes now and we're going to get into songwriting classes. And because it's a full, you know, studio that we can offer uh, our classes out of. It's a full state of the art yeah. studio. Right. It's beautiful. You, you guys are down in Gastown. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice location. It's like, well, yeah, it's, it's actually <laughs> yeah. pretty cool because it's right across the street from Brian Adams studio called The Warehouse. And I've worked at the warehouse probably 40 times. I, I did a series called Ice Pilots there. We did two or three seasons out of there. And I've done a bunch of commercials with uh, Roger Harris. And, uh, you know, so I know the studio quite well in the area. So part of me wants to go across the street one day and be like, yes, uh, Brian, uh, could I have a, do you have a, a cup of sugar for me there? That would be fantastic, Brian. Yeah. Stewie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that, this is just something I've kind of noticed over the past, you know, decade or so. I, I or r- rather, let me, let me, let me ask you, uh, do you find at On The Mic, are there a lot of people who come in with the specific um, desire that just to do voiceover for anime and nothing else. Um, cause I, 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 you know, from my obviously more limited perspective, I've, I, I've seen a lot of people who are, have that kind of, you know, aspiring voice actor perspective, but they're not necessarily interested in doing other forms of acting. Uh, do you find that that is a trend or? Um, I mean, it definitely happens sometimes, but I always just say to people like, look, I mean, you know, you're crazy not to sort of be a, you know, you're crazy not to be a, a, a multitasker when it comes to voiceover, because, you know, why would you want to get into just one avenue when you could do more than that? And that's kind of how you survive, really, and how you make your living, because, you know, you bounce around and do different. You just do whatever you can. You know, you just do whatever you can. And and, it, and as a result, it makes you better for all the things that you do anyways. Right. Because I learned things by doing dubbing for my prelay. And I learned things from prelay for my commercial stuff. And I learned things from commercials for doing narration and from narration. I learned stuff for promo and. It all is connected, right? It's all storytelling. And um, so, yeah, the odd time it comes in, and especially, you know, we have a dubbing class at On The Mic um, that's taught by Jack Cox, actually, you know, who, who directed me in Gintama. So it's a really unique opportunity and experience for people to come in and and uh, learn from an industry director in a beautiful state-of-the-art studio and at a school that, you know, we feel like we're we're – telling you like it is this is what the industry expects and you know but we have a ton of fun it's very loose but it's also very real this is the way we approach it just going back to gintama this is one of the first you know kind of mature non-toy commercial anime shows that's been recorded in vancouver for for quite a while does this make any difference in like the way that you and other local actors approach the material or you know is it uh, just sort of a lot of the same procedure it's the same procedure, but at the same time, it's kind of fun because you do really get to let loose and laugh and because, you know, you're doing stuff where I don't know if you've seen any of the episodes, but, you know, there's that one character. It's probably it may not have come up yet, but there's this sort of um, human sized uh, cat character that um, literally, you know, has a bowel movement there where it looks like a smoke screen coming out of the you know, the butt of the, of this life size or this human size, man size cat. And 
know. There's just there's everything from you know feces to sexuality to cool samurai stuff to super sarcastic. Like that one character that um, uh, Andrew Francis plays that he's laughing like ahaha ahaha ahaha. Like do you know that character I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And it's just kind of yeah. like. I don't know. I just hear that stuff and it just makes me laugh, you know, you know, so I do feel like for us, we do get to laugh a little bit more because it's, you know, like you're seeing stuff and, and saying things that is very funny. It's, yeah. I, I can't imagine that Gintama leaves a lot of room for anything like improvisation though. No, but I would, I mean, yeah. anytime there was any mouth, not seen stuff that I could get away with that, that maybe it was a monologue or, or like, you know, I would definitely, I, any chance I get, I always try to like, Hey Carl, how about this? You know, boom, boom, boom. How about this, Carl? You know, and he's like, yeah, sure, let's try it. You know, and and um, so yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, you can't take too many liberties, especially when it's when it has to match the flaps, right? Because it's uh, it's all timed out, right? Um, so I don't know if you're going to be able to say answer this at all, but um, Gintama is one of the first major anime to come out of uh, Vancouver Studios in, in quite a while. Can anime fans expect uh, any more output in the future? Or Yeah, no, I think there is. I think there's definitely stuff coming down the pipe uh, for sure. I, I really can't say, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I think that I do believe that this was a test run for uh, Crunchyroll to, to try this out with their content with an English dub for uh, with Gintama, so we're all sitting there saying, well, geez, maybe, uh, you know, they sure have a lot of content. Maybe they're going to, because, you know, on the first episode, the, the, the execs came in to the, uh, to the first episode record and they were great, by the way. I mean, they were just super chill and like, you know, session was rolling along and, and, uh, it was fairly new to some of them because they hadn't really done it. They hadn't sat in on a voice record and gotten a feel for it, but, uh, really, you know, they gave me some swag from Crunchyroll and, they were uh, they were pretty easy going. It was it was nice to have them there. Great. Well, uh, we'll we'll see we'll see what comes of that then. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Michael, I think that's pretty much all I have. Uh, where can people find you online? Well, they can find me at uh, at m dangerfield d a i n g e r field uh, on Twitter. And, yeah, don't forget um, the i. Because <laughs> some some people don't spell Dangerfield without the i and then or or with the i and then it's. Uh, they will never find me. So it's M Dangerfield on Twitter and uh, yeah, please follow. And uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram and uh, check us out at on the for classes. For those of you that are close to Vancouver um, and in the Vancouver area, classes are monthly and they're going on all the time. We got, you know, events happening, free events. Uh, there's auditions. There's, you can actually go to the website and, and sign up and be a subscriber. Just if you just scroll to the bottom, I think of every page we have, and uh put your email address in there and be a subscriber and uh and keep in touch yeah so but i will be like i said i'm going to be probably I, I i'll be surprised if i'm not at one of the the cons also this summer probably um what's the one at the convention center so there's anime revolution at the vancouver convention center um any other canadian cons you might pop well up i may i may go to toronto as well um there's a good possibility i know like i said i mean i've been uh, already contacted by uh, a couple already and and uh i think people are interested you know about the the kentucky uh character and it's been cool yeah it's been cool to receive some attention it seems like people are liking it on on social media as well yeah it's got it's had a great reception so far mm. i think people are going to be really excited to to talk to you about that 
Michael, it was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks a lot. Hey, Jesse. You know what? Uh, it's a real pleasure. I'm glad we're able to do this. And, uh, yeah, just break a leg with everything you're doing. And I'm sure we'll see you sooner than later out there on the campus of uh, VoiceOver. Awesome. Thanks. <laughs> okay. Take care, man. Hey, so for the second segment of this episode, uh, we're going to be doing a little uh, feedback discussion on the Gintama dub itself. Uh, now, personally, I'm not really well versed in Gintama. I haven't uh, seen a lot of it, so I brought on someone who uh, is a little uh, a little more familiar with it than I am, a friend of the show, Patrick McClafferty. Uh, Patrick, thanks for coming on. Nice to be here. Yeah, so uh, neither of us has really had time to, to watch through all 50 episodes, but uh, we, we got enough to kind of get a taste of what uh, of what they're doing and, and how how it's gone with, uh, with that production. Um, so... They've they started about 265 episodes in, which kind of makes this a, an interesting situation. Uh, just Patrick, based on what what you've seen of it, uh, what's what's your take on you know the uh, how how well the actors have assumed the roles? Well, so far, you know, I've enjoyed what I've seen of it. I've gone for about 20 episodes of it. So okay. So got most of them most of the actors have a good handle on the character it seems so far. Yeah. I mean, you can tell they have a good interplay with each other, which helps. I find overall it's been it's really well cast. Uh, usually with ocean dubs, I find they take a little while to get going. Um, but here, everyone seems to be really in character from the get-go. Uh, I bat, in the interview, uh, Michael Dangerfield said that he you know he watched a lot of the earlier episodes and did prep for the character, and I I think it shows. I think that they've kind of stepped into these roles and and assumed them well, and it's you know. It's especially impressive because they're not only 265 episodes in, but they also constantly reference the fact that the episode that the show has been running this long. Also, this is the the first Vancouver dub that we've heard in quite a while for um you know for a at least a non toy uh, toy commercial kind of kind of uh, anime. Um, and I think that even if people are not familiar with Gintama or uh, the franchise in general, I think. People are probably there's a lot of people who are probably gonna find it very satisfying uh, to listen to the the Crunchyroll dub for that reason alone. Um, you'll hear voices like like Andrew Francis and Chantel Strand and even Scott McNeil pop up. And just another thought, I'm also very happy that they avoided the temptation of uh, of giving Kagura a stereotypical Chinese accent, uh, which is something I have found that uh, Vancouver studios seem to have a bad sort of reputation for uh patrick did you ever see the uh the dub that sentai produced for the first movie a few years ago ah uh, yes that was disappointing for most of most of the actors on that how, how does like how, how does it compare overall like what what was the approach like in in that dub i haven't seen that one myself <sighs> i they were really horribly miscast with like a very small pool of actors which didn't help yeah. So kind of, some sounded like they didn't give they didn't give Cogger a bit of an accent, which mm. which kind of was. Although Cogger is one of the few um, decent parts in that. Cogger is fine, and the the Lollycon guy I can't think of his name at the moment mm-hmm. that shows up occasionally. How did they handle uh, like references and stuff like that? Did they did they play it straight like they do in this dub, or did they try to to localize it to some extent? Some things they localized, some things they didn't. Yeah. And thing is that they took the beeping in the to be cursing. Yeah, that's that's one thing in the Crunchyroll dub they they recreate the beeps, but I guess uh, being Sentai they couldn't resist throwing in as much swearing as they could. Yes. Well, the beeps in this in the, the Crunchyroll and the Japanese version 
is the beat references. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. For the ref for for references. Right. Uh, so, so, for example, they did Captain Harlock reference in Sentai Dove. In the Japanese version, in, it was the Captain Harlock reference, but it says I'm the mother effing Captain Katsura. Oh. Oh, I see. Right. So. So so they they turned it was originally a bleep for a a a, a reference but they reconfigured it into something else for the yes I, I see yeah um that's they just did, did all the extra obscenity yes there is obscenity in the series but it's not I see so they're they're, they're trying to they they maintain the humor of just having the beep there but they change the reason for needing the beep um I guess that's kind of interesting but I can see that like failing really horribly uh especially when you have uh, the Sentai style um, of dubbing it. Yeah, obviously that that, that seems to be a mixed bag. I say the particular problem with Sentai dub is the the, the leads. Yeah. Um, they had um, Chris Patton as Kentucky, which he kind of had the deadpan right for the role, but that's about it. And Kagura was Kagura, but the front was Shimpachi. Was I don't know if you've seen he's the, the usual straight man in anime comedies, mm-hmm. as you. But sometimes he's just really screechy. The, the Japanese version is kind of part of the comedy. He's really screechy. They took it up even further. I mean, that's what the problem was. The Ocean dub had the right balance of it. What's interesting, though, in in the Ocean dub, and I think what makes it like really unique as a dub in general, is that it is not a localization at all. In fact, it almost seems to go out of its way to not be one. As someone who has like watched... Mo- I guess most of the show and and has a feel for the, for the references and and how it goes. Did it? Did you find it? Did it feel natural to you? The most way of the it plays time. out. Yeah. I only actually only noticed two localizations at all. Did they change Mother to Earthbound and they yeah. mentioned Michael for Kentucky's actor because they mentioned it was Sugita, um, Sugita, Sugita for in this figure when they did the gender swap. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, I, I, that was a nice touch, but I, it was a necessary one. And the Earthbound one is just – that's just logical um, because yes. the, the franchise has a different name here. They did seem to be natural. I mean, the ref- most of the references seem natural. You know, the actors y- – you can kind of tell they don't have a lot of context for what they're talking about a lot of the time, that they're they're going through all this stuff. But they have this sense of just utter conviction behind their performance. Uh I found kind of made up for it. Uh, and did, did you find that effective? Indeed. Yeah. Um, it, 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 it's such a, it's a weird balance. Like, this is a really unique dub in that sense. It's almost kind of, a, a, kind of like an experiment. It's like, if you can just put as much sincerity as, and meaning behind something, even if it doesn't make sense, or you don't understand it, you can still sell it and make it, s- I, I hesitate to call it natural, but, you know, as something that, uh, that that still work. That's also kind of brings into question like the the whole function behind it. Uh, this is a little harder for for you know. Some, I guess I, I'm curious if you what do you think? Do you think that this dub would be a way that you could actually sell the show onto people? Uh, do you think people could could watch this dub and gain interest in it, or do you do you find it could only be like a like a like a sort of a bonus extra? I think. Maybe it's too much of at this point. It's too much of an extra. If they start late slightly before, I mean, like they did from the second se- series on the, the 2011 series, and went from there. It might have been better because that's that's where actually that's where most of the strongest material of the series is at. I mean, these are all good episodes. Most of these are good episodes. But I think it's just at this point, 
and I do know a bunch of people out here are trying out for the first time because of the dub. I've seen it around in a few places. Yeah, before I've I've only seen like the first handful of episodes of Gintoma subbed. Um, it honestly it didn't really get my attention. Uh, I didn't I didn't find it to be anything too special, and you know I'm familiar with the central cast. Um, going into this new dub, uh, I'm, I'm skipping forward like 200 episodes. Um, I I found it funny. I I I really did. Uh, I found it a lot more engaging than I. Than my previous experience with with Gintama had been, or everything I had seen before that. Um, so I don't know if it's because if there's anything different in the way things were depicted in the dub, or just because the series had improved so much. I, I guess here's kind of one of the the challenges here: how initiated should someone be before they jump into this dub? Like, do you is it really necessary to watch all 200 episodes? Are there certain sections of the show that are musts? Um, there I, I, there seems to be a lot of mixed uh, opinions on that. That's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I usually go say like watch like the first thirteen or twenty six, mm-hmm. and then at that point you can, can kind of skip around. I mean, it's better to watch it all, but you can watch a lot of standalones at, at that point. Uh, any any particular ones that stand out? Like, um, what are your favorite arcs? Well, arcs I actually for like favorite like standalone episodes. Like, I I had to write down the numbers because Mike Mike's full. I was asking for like. Uh, like I've said suggestions. I had I I, I should have brought that tweet up with the numbers, but it's I, I know with one nineteen I believe the number is it's basically which I would which would be good if they actually dubbed that one. It's basically it's a parry. It's Ejikata tries to quit smoking because cigarettes are banned in Edo, so he uh, has to go leave Earth to go to planet Namek for cigarettes, and it goes from there. Yep. That's actually an, uh, another another good point for why this uh, I think the Vancouver cast worked really well because like in the new in the, in the third season uh, it's really heavy in the Dragon Ball Z references uh, right off the bat. Uh, oh yeah, and they I'm glad to see Scott McNeil as picklish guy. We haven't like Scott McNeil is he's a pretty pretty rare to hear in any voice acting now. Uh, so I was I was glad to hear him back, uh, especially you know I doing like pic- three times. Yeah. Like, no, the male Kagura that was the best part of that arc. Yeah, he play he plays the male Kagura in the gender yeah. swap uh uh arc, which is pretty much everything that you would hope that would be. <laughs> it's uh it's it's uh it it had me laughing pretty hard. Um and I, I'm sure he pops up uh pops up more. But and you know, it's it's like and the only one I count was him as the mad scientist. Again, if you're a fan of Vancouver voice acting, there's a lot of fun little surprises like that uh, in it. Um, and it's all, and it's also kind of bizarre hearing Vancouver voice actors make like super specific anime references to like you know to Loveru and stuff too. It's it, it's it's a little disarming sometimes, but uh, it's it's an experience uh, uh, for sure. Um, uh, one thing I did want to point out, just in in terms of this not being a localized like uh, just going out of its way to like not localize the material. Um, I don't know about you, but I feel that there was some some missed opp- missed opportunities for meta humor. Um, just like you know, there 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 are times when you know they really could have like added to the jokes and point out how ob- obtuse or obscure certain things sound in English. Um, but they they really seem to resist that a lot of the time. They wanted to keep the references you know as as straightforward as possible. Um, I guess with the expectation that that people would would understand them, even though I personally. Uh, question anybody who insists that they understand all the references in Gintama. <laughs> because it's just, it's so I'm dense. About 
Eh, about fifty-fifty usually. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't I know. I don't recognize all the celebrity jokes all the time. Yeah. Or the politics jokes. Yeah. Um. But th- that whole thing, it kind of um, like it, it makes me wonder about the the actual practical function of the dub because uh, like obviously this is this is Crunchyroll's first foray into doing their own dubbing and. Um, I don't know how much more we'll hear of it because they they have their deal with with Funimation now to handle a lot of the dubbing. It it seems like the the like the the actual function of this dub is not to make it more accessible, but just to be able to or to allow people just to be able to put it on in the background while they work on other things. Um, and I have to say I kind of appreciate that because usually when you're watching anime it's hard to multitask because of the subtitles. Um, but then when you have uh, this dub that's just super, super literal, um, but also, like, really sincere and, and accurate and everything. I'm just like, oh, this is, this seems to recreate the experience well enough. I can, uh, you know, I can, I can read this important document on my, on my phone while I'm watching this. So, that was, I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, uh, like, what do you, do you think, I guess we, we already kind of, kind of covered this, but, uh, I mean, do you think there's any other kind of practical reason to have a dub like this hmm. or do you have no any thoughts on that at all <laughs> no no not really i just i think it's, it's nice to exist i mean i nice for people says i don't want to watch it because there's no dub i mean i've heard that as well so at least i, I know it's you know it's 260 260 odd episodes in well i guess i'm, I'm sitting here questioning whether or not it's going to get people interested uh, who, who wouldn't have watched it before, and that's clearly happened. So I, I, I guess just even it's just a stunt, it's kind of worked. Um, but it's it's still such a baffling project that they'd that they would take on such a huge show and try and uh, try and do a dub like this. I got I have to give them props, but um, I still don't really understand what they're trying to to achieve with that. Um, also, just in terms of like functionality, I was kind of disappointed that the the dubs were the dub was uh, just on Crunchyroll on a separate file compared to uh the the sub version it does that doesn't really seem necessary since there's they're soft subs so it's uh why have two different videos that's like a real funimation kind of thing to do were there, okay were there any particular episodes you thought were strong and any ones that were weak why well, the ones i watch um strong ones i the uh, the saint say episode uh, you saw that one i don't think i made it to that one no it's basically they're telling ghost stories that all turned out to be saint Seiya. <laughs> yeah, which does end with the recreation of Soldier's Dream. So that the actual end theme of the first end theme of Saint Seiya. Right, right, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, that was a strong one. I also think the Earthbound one with the. I don't know if you saw that. One. I did see that one. Yeah, that. Uh, yes. I, I that, that like I it, it's one of those mo- one of those sort of sequences where I'm just like wow like. They, I don't think they understand what they're talking about, but man, they are they are selling it as as well as they can. And I mean, the end result is something that I found really funny. It worked, I guess. Uh, were there any episodes or or uh, like segments that you thought just like did not work uh, at all? Not not what I watched. No. Yeah. I, I uh, mean, actually, there was one thing I I was watching didn't chance to watch the entire thing of but the body swap work. It, then didn't seem enough to differentiate the voices for Kentucky as um Hijikata as Kento- Hijikata as Kentucky and Kentucky as Hijikata. Unfortunately, the, um Michael Dangerfield uh, Michael Dangerfield and 
Um, Michael, I don't forget his name. say his name. Unfortunately, they sound too much alike, and it's kind of made. Well, that would work for them being switched. It just did not enough, do enough to differentiate them. So, it kind of made kind of a middling arc just kind of not work as well. But basically, uh, the, the actors for the characters in Japan, it just seemed to actually get down the voice aneurysms down well. I guess it's, they've been doing it for you know, 10 years at that point, working together. Yeah. Um, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, again, when you're, when you're, when they're jumping into this 256 episodes in, or 256 oh, episodes that. in, yeah, it's like you can't, you I mean, they're fine, they're yeah. fine, and the other episodes, just that those episodes in particular doesn't really work. Yeah, I, I hear people talking a lot about just sort of the, um, the working relationship that the, the Japanese voice actors have, and that seems to play a lot in just how the, the, the original plays out. Or am I wrong about that? <laughs> you're, you're pretty correct. Um, I guess there's one one thing I have to point out, and I don't know if this is anything you'd have an opinion on, but you've you've no doubt heard that in Canada, uh, Crunchyroll doesn't make most of their back catalog available to non-subscribers. Have you have you yeah, heard about that? I've heard about that. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome that they're sending work to Vancouver. I hope they continue to do to do so. In fact, one of the the the, the fact that they did this segment of of Gintama means that. You know, if they do more, they're probably going to send it up here and work with these voice actors more. And I think that's uh, that would be a really positive thing moving forward. But I have to point out the kind of hypocrisy in the fact that they, on one hand, are uh, obviously setting it up here to save money because it's a high volume of episodes and getting the, the work done in Vancouver is cheaper compared to, like, L.A. Um, but at the same time, they're also... You know, not letting Canadians access their back catalog to also save money, and I don't think they're doing that anywhere else on Earth. It, it, you know, there, there, there's something a little, a little, a little skeevy about that. I have to say. I, I mean, have you heard the news today that Crunchyroll has been like cutting, or the from the last few days that they've been cutting picture quality on their their streams apparently? So it wasn't just my imagination. Oh, I, did, I, did you actually notice that? Not as dress, not drastically, but it seemed a little off. Yeah, they, uh, they actually have. Uh, just started they reduced their bit rate on all their streams. uh it's still high quality if you watch it for 24 hours but after that uh it the picture quality goes down and apparently most it's quite noticeable to most um and there's a bit of a shit there's been a bit of a shitstorm going on about her and reddit and, and things and their, their frontline pr people don't really don't actually really understand what's going on because it's 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 a, a cost-cutting decision that's kind of been made over their heads um it's because they're firing of all those people yeah the firing of their uh their engineering staff too um there's honestly some pretty shady or pretty questionable things going on at crunchyroll and they they should be criticized for it but the problem is that when you like criticize crunchyroll i, I always feel like you're kind of enabling pirates because when you say something bad about crunchyroll people will pop up and say oh well we better just go pirate anime again. This is the perfect like like it's the perfect excuse or something. Uh I find that kind of frustrating, but I think cuz I think that's the wrong reaction to people criticizing Crunchyroll, but um uh, I think that uh the, the people uh people need to be be able to be more critical about those kinds of things without necessarily uh encouraging the reaction of turning to piracy. Um that's uh yeah, that's just one of the uh the little frustrations with that going on right now. Yeah, I yeah, so when I was watching though, it says this picture doesn't look as bright and looks fuzzy in places. Yeah. As I as I was noticing it. Yeah, see I did 
it didn't even need to be pointed out to you and, and you noticed. So <laughs> I don't know. They were just using – they switched over to a different uh, resolution on the um, iPad. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a site-wide thing. Hmm. So um, I guess – if you if you don't like that, uh, make sure they hear they make sure they hear about it. Yeah. All right. Um. Well, that's about all I have, uh, Patrick. Anything else you wanted to to end on? Um. Just get out. Try to dub. Try the sub for the older episodes as well, or, or the newer episodes for that matter. Yeah. It. Uh, if nothing else, it has ignited my interest in the series, so I'm probably gonna check out more. And it's hopefully if they if they if they release the second movie, it's with other than kind of. Or, or redub the first movie too. That'd be great. Um, That's yeah, true. We haven't seen that second movie yet, have we? No, or some of the OAVs either. Oh yeah. Well, uh, potentially a lot of work ahead uh, for, yep. for 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 voice actors in Vancouver. So uh, keep our fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, thanks a lot, Patrick. No problem. Hope you enjoyed the show. Thanks for tuning in. The theme song is by Ultra Kleistron. You can purchase it as part of his album Packet Flood at ultraclystron.com. You can reach me through Twitter at ZonNCanada or email ZonNCanada at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast app of choice. And as always, please recommend the show to anyone you think might be interested. See you again.